Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 10% Happier early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. From ABC, this is the 10% Happier Podcast. I'm Dan Harris. Hey, hey, welcome to a uh, special edition of the 10% Happier Podcast. Uh, we got a big get this time. It's uh, Russell Simmons, the philanthropist, entrepreneur, and activist. Um, <laughs> did I get all? Did I get all the titles That's in there? That's a lot of shit to me at one time. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> and also author of such books as Super Rich, Success Through Stillness, and The Happy Vegan. So you were you initially really burst onto the scene as somebody who was uh, a hip hop guy, but you've really evolved into things like yoga and meditation and veganism. Uh, how did that happen in the first place, and how does it go down with your core audience? Well, yoga is a popular American. I mean, the asana practice, the physical practice of yoga is very popular. Yeah. You know, there's a new hit record, um, All My Girls Do Yoga. Oh, I, I saw that uh, at um, Coachella. And then there's, but I don't think that there's any separation between music artists. Music artists always operate from the inside out, especially the writers, these poets. They operate from an inside, and that's what we're all seeking. Like music, not a yoga, the yoga of sound. It brings you to presence. And all of us are seeking, every single one of us is seeking the same thing, a comfortable seat or a happy seat, and that comes from a quiet mind. Yoga is the science of quieting the mind. Anyone who knows a little bit about it knows that it goes right along with any artistry because artists have to operate from a quiet mind. They have to have these seconds of presence because no creativity ever happens unless the mind is still. And so it goes, it goes hand in hand, I think. I read in your book, uh, I think, Success Through Stillness, that you initially got into yoga because uh, there were girls there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's funny because I'm, my first teacher teaches for me now at Tantris. Tantris is a, a school of yogic science that I built in L.A., right there by the Soul House building, actually. A very trendy place, 9200 Sunset, the Tantris School. T-A-N-T-R-I-S. Yes. So, um yeah, I, w- I went to class because a lot of hot chicks, it's true. And my first teacher, Steve Ross, teaches there now. And Steve Ross would say that was Buddha's last struggle. <laughs> he said everything else, you know, I asked him at, you know, my sophomore year, I've been practicing for 24 years or so. I said, Steve, you know, I, I practice every day and I feel like, you know, you feel enlightened after a while. You come out of class, you feel present and awake and all the things they talk about in the scripture, you feel that you are living it, embodying that thing. And he said, but Steve, you know, the girl in front of me, man, I still couldn't help but keep, I couldn't keep my, my eye off her. Like, that's the last struggle, he said. And I got it. I was like, really? He said, yeah. So it's okay. But I went because of the girls. It's true. A long story to get back to, yeah, I went, there was so many girls. Back then, no guys practiced yoga. So this was 24 years ago. Yeah, no yeah. guys were there. What happened that got you into meditation? Well, it's an extension. You know, you start to practice yoga, and this teacher, Steve Ross, slipped me a copy of the Yoga Sutras which is that science book, 6,000 years old or so, no one knows for sure. It's a book uh, with threads that promote happiness. Yoga is the science of happiness as well. A quiet mind is bliss. A noisy mind is sickness and sadness. That is not only in that scripture, but that's reality, right? A, a totally still mind and a corpse in the sunset are both beautiful. A noisy mind and everything makes you sick and sad. So these extremes are, are real, and so... I, I dealt, I took yoga, it just got me from moving meditation to sitting meditation. 
to reading scripture and, and realizing that whatever is in that book resonated with me as it would resonate with anybody because what's in that scripture and what's in all of them, the sciences of religion, are things that are etched inside us. So were we to know ourselves, we could write scripture. We could tell us what all the things that promote happiness and well-being were because inside us there's that instruction. So you, the kind of meditation you gravitated toward is called transcendental meditation where you get a mantra that you repeat silently in your head. Yes. And, and they tell you to do 20 minutes twice a day. I do. You do it. I do, yeah, 20 minutes twice a day. But uh, what I teach in uh, the Tantra school is a mantra-based meditation, but only difference, I think, besides for the fact that yogis practice the physical asana uh, yoga so they can sit comfortably without affliction. The TM people say sit however you want because they're dealing with Americans who have to sit however they can. But this idea of sitting straight with the string pulling you up, that's, you know, that's a yogic kind of um, instruction. So that and also we do a collective mantra. We give away a mantra rum. I have, a, I, have an, I have an app, Meditation Made Simple, and we give away the same mantra, rum. So the tantrous uh, form of meditation is with a collective mantra, and it's about sitting erect like yogis do. And a lot of the instructional stuff is based in stuff I learned from the Maharishi. Who is or, the founder of TM. That's right, or did, is the inspiration for TM. Did, do they view you as a competitor now that you're giving away a mantra? Because most people pay for their mantra. I paid TM. a lot of money for my mantra. Yeah, but you're giving this collective mantra out there. I mean, what is it different? I mean, I, the difference I, is the money doesn't go to TM. Well, the TM, they should get money. I'm happy to pay them uh, their foundation because I work with them in the schools in the hood in Chicago, in the most violent schools. We're turning around. The level of violence goes down dramatically. Or the kids' ability to learn goes up dramatically. You know, so there's a lot of benefits to giving meditation to schools. And, and, and the David Lynch Foundation is giving tons. It says no cursing. Yeah, they put up a sign. Are you going to beep no it? <laughs> Will you beep it if you use it? I don't know how to talk without cursing. It's going to eventually going to have to beat me. I just should tell the listeners that there's a glass wall right here with the control room uh, on the other side of uh, the studio in which Russell and I are sitting right now. And they just put up a sign that said "Live, no cursing." Live on Facebook, though. It, yes, except for we're owned by a little company called Disney, and so they have, we have our own. Sort they of should, rules. Well, they should stop eating animals, everybody <laughs> on the planet. Stop causing the worst comic disaster in the world. I, mean, I think we, that's why meditation is important, so that we can make choices uh, informed by the spirit. And when, when a rabbi or the monk or imam, priest tell you to do things, you can assess for yourself whether it's the proper instruction. For instance, a Christian who reads Dominion Over the Animals and still takes part in the abuse of 20 billion animals. The abuse of 20 billion animals every year, only to cause tremendous sickness and destruction of the planet. It seems that that is a tremendous um, no-no. You're a Christian, you shouldn't eat animals. Not in the, not in the current, um, the way that we do it now. We shouldn't be part of that. So, in, in your temple, the idea of you know eating steak, for instance, you know if you eat beef or... And you've heard this probably. If you eat it as a third of your protein, it's like 20 cigarettes a day. You don't want to give your kids 20 cigarettes a day. So what they tell you is no, the norm, like don't curse. You think about whether it really is causing the harm you're causing when you go along with the program. Going along with the program, a lot of people, are, for instance, on top of all of that, the non-vegans take up 400 times more space on this plant than I do. 
400 times more space on this planet that's really under complete stress. Why do you think vegan? You've really taken this on as a as a, an activist struggle, veganism. Why do you think it hasn't caught on in a bigger way? I mean, I know it is well, growing. It's, it's growing very quickly, and I think that the new products are coming. But it's also you have to realize that the worst, most terrible threat we're facing, besides for nuclear threat, which you see now, it's all over the news, right? The threats that people. Are, uh, but besides for that, there must be factory farming, huh? What causes more harm than factory farming? What starves more people? Well, it's interlinked. What poisons more people? What and poisons the plant more than uh, the cow's uh, gas? Well, I was just going to say it's interlinked with climate change, which I would Everything. argue is the existential risk uh, yeah, along course. with nukes. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. But people still do it like it's normal. And it is normal. So I don't know. I think everybody should meditate and come up with better answers. We'll arrive at some of the same decisions. Like we should not be part of this factory farming industry. We should not. You know, and, and, and along with all the other industries that are destroying uh, the planet and poisoning the people and poisoning the minds of the people. But, but, but specifically, the factory farming industry and what it's doing. You can't even buy this stuff that we sell here in America. See, I didn't curse. You can't buy it. He said stuff. Yeah, right. You can't buy um, the, the the chicken with the probi- the antibiotics, I'm sorry, the growth hormones, the steroids, the Prozac that's all in the chicken. That's illegal in South Africa. There was a riot there recently over that, trying to sell American chicken. You can't sell it in Russia. You can't sell it in China. Nowhere in Europe can you sell American factory farmed meat because it's poison. But America sells it to you. So it's it seems... Counterintuitive, you tell me I can't curse, and yet you feed this poison to the children and destroy the planet doing it and cause sickness and cancer and just everything. And also the karmic disaster. Most of you people listening can't choke a chicken, yet you can be involved in the slaughter and the the, the horrible abuse. Choking a chicken would be the greatest fate he could have. As opposed to the way the chickens are treated in a a, a plant. I've struggled with this personally because... I think on the merits, the argument for veganism is unimpeachable. The animal cruelty argument alone, never mind the environmental argument. I I have no, I cannot muster any, any factual arguments against it. Of course, except, you know, my wife's not a vegan. Uh, We got a two-year-old. The norm. Yes, that's why we meditate. We know we roll out of shavasana every yoga practice, and we say, "Born again, leave what's not serving you on the mat. Leave the animal product." Make a choice. There's so many. They have a new pea protein burger. Oh, my God. It's at Whole Foods in the meat section by a company called Beyond Meat. And the Beyond Burger is phenomenal. There's another one, the Impossible Burger. It's not out yet. So, But the Beyond Burger is available. No one tells the difference. It bleeds. It's everything else. But only thing, only it doesn't give you cholesterol, hmm. butt cancer, and all the other stuff that comes from eating the animal pride. So all the cancer, right? And the sickness that comes from eating the animals, not in the pea protein burger. We were talking before we went on the air that you're, you're 59. Yeah. You do not look 59. Well, and I am. <laughs> I, I'll I, be 60. I believe you, but you, you look great. And you think a lot of this has to do with not only the yoga and meditation, but also the vegan diet. Of course. You are what you eat, a piece of you, at least. I mean, if you just are what you eat for a little while, over a period of time, you're absolutely what you eat. In mm-hmm. other words, you change your diet to take animal product out. One day there'll be no animal product in you, right? Soon. And, and that is important. Who wants to have that suffering, that sickness, that poison in them? 
For what reason? There's nothing good. People drink milk and they think they're getting calcium, but it, it in fact destroys the calcium in your body. Right? You know that, right? It destroys the calcium. I, I, I haven't researched it to the extent oh, yeah. you have. No, well, that's, it destroys the calcium in the body. It, just, it breaks down. The calcium breaks down trying to get the calcium out of the milk. And that's a fact. But yet we're still told it's a food group. We have to, I think, as individuals, we have to make better choices or choices that are informed through not only our meditation but a little bit of research because things are coming out all the time, right? And, and there's many companies who are exploiting you or looking to, to shift, uh, to keep shifting the information back to a good argument, which there is none. As you just suggested, there's no argument that, that promotes eating animals. Let me ask you a quick question about meditation. It's my, now I'm going to give my opinion a little bit here, but I, I've been in the meditation world in, in one way or another for maybe eight years. And it's my view, just based on what I've seen with my own two eyes, that largely speaking, uh, meditation is kind of uh, stuck in this world of upper middle class white people. Why do you think that is, and what can be done about it? Well, let me say about your view, uh, about meditation, that might be partly true. But about the vegan diet, African Americans are 6% vegan, where the rest of America is 1%, or 2 at, at best. Interesting. What, what do you And the reason, well, yeah. cultural, because there's, there's a, a culture, uh, West Indian communities, in, and that have in, um, affected the, the mindset of African Americans. Also, the sickness... And the, the disease that comes from the animal product is more prevalent in the African-American community. Mm. And so when they have a hint of what they could be doing from cultural elements in the community, they use that and they, they make choices. So a percentage of people, rather than the diabetes and the cancer and the things that they're relative to have or that they're fighting today, they do something to combat it. And that's one of the things that are prescribed more often in that community than the rest of mainstream America. Interesting fact. Mm -hmm. And now about the meditation, we're putting it in schools everywhere. In the hood, in Chicago is my greatest, I think, accomplishment. We got it in Oakland in the schools and in L.A. and in, you know, in, in New York, some schools. But really having it spread into places where needed, we need it the most. And I've been to many prisons and taught children in prison and adults in prison how to meditate. And they're really easy. You know who I had the problem with? The Goldman Sachs people. Mm. They can't sit still. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've already learned a lot of the habits, you know, of, of well, your nickname as a kid was Rush. Yeah, so you had these habits, too. That's right. I mean, I, I still carry a lot of it. I mean, I'm not enlightened. I struggle all the time. But, I, you know, I know better to some extent. You know, I mean, you knew better. You do better 100% of the time. But you know better instinctively. You agree that what Scripture tells you is true. That what you're promised in these scriptures that you believed when you read, that if you follow these instructions, and sometimes it takes a little bit of restriction, but if you follow these instructions, you'll be happier. And all of us are seeking the same thing, to be happy, right? To all the time, it'd be great, right? So yoga, meditation, all these tools are way out of the suffering. You can count on T-Mobile to help keep you connected after investing billions to light up their network from big cities to small towns. T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, when you switch to T-Mobile, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus Verizon and AT&T. Visit your neighborhood store or T-Mobile.com to switch. Plan savings with T-Mobile. 
Third line free on essentials via monthly bill, credits versus comparable available plans. Plan features may vary. Credits stop if you cancel or change plans. The weather is getting warmer. Time to ditch my jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. I used to waste my money on clothing that would only last one season. That was until I found Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I will be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands by partnering directly with top factories. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. I just made a big order at Quince.com. I got two pairs of sweatpants that I've just had for like a week, and I already love them. I'm wearing them all the time. Sweatpants are a huge deal to me uh, because I work from home and I want to look reasonably good, you know, in front of my wife and stuff, but uh, I want to be comfortable. And uh, the Quince sweatpants uh, do the trick. For me, the bottom line is uh, they've got good looking stuff at low prices. Not a bad recipe. You should go ahead and upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash happier for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash happier to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash happier. You remain a, a man from what I can tell of real ambition. Uh, you're, you've got a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. on many fronts. Yeah. Uh, personal, philanthropic, business, um, activist, does how does and you wrote a book called Success Through Stillness. So how does meditation and yoga help with actually uh, handling business? Well, you want to operate from a place of needing nothing. My book Super Rich is in some ways a prosperity book, but Super Rich is that state of needing nothing or that state of yoga. Uh, Lakshmi, the the goddess who was a deity that we used to teach about the self in our tantra school. Lakshmi is seen giving diamonds and everything out of shooting out of her arm, her hands. But at the feet, she's piled up with riches because good givers are great getters. To operate from a space of giving, Jesus taught two um, sermons, one to his disciples, give without expectation. They had to pay the Romans their taxes on time, but they had faith and they did it. And then he taught to the masses, give and good givers are great getters. So they gave, and they were focused on their giving, enough so that they had the money to pay the Romans their taxes. The disciples never worried because they had more money to pay the Romans more taxes. And the reason that this phenomenon exists, because if you are present and awake, and if you work, and if your work is not full of worry and anxiety, then you're present, and you can only do good work when you're here. Your mind in the future and in the past separates you from good work. And almost an enlightened state of fully present, just giving without any expectation, piles up the riches at your feet. So I say that to people who uh, worry about holding on to stuff. Give and, and be a good getter because of it. But if you're a young person who's ambitious, trying to come up in the, come up in the world and you don't have much uh, because you're just starting out, 
the idea of giving uh, sounds counterintuitive and maybe even dangerous. You got to give what you want to receive. If you want money, you got to give money. You got to give something that makes money to get money. You have to give what you want in every case. You know, um, that's our reality. You know, there's a cycle of giving that we're born into. Giving and receiving is a cycle. You can't get without giving and you can't give without getting. That cycle is continuous. Where do we begin? We begin giving. If you have no job, you go to the store and you go out front of the store and you can't get in to buy because you got no money. You start sweeping in front of the store. If he doesn't give you any money, the next, next, the next guy says, come sweep my store. Then you go inside and you give. You, you, you start to show them how to arrange the shelves better. You study their craft. Then you go to the register. You put the rubber band around the money for the first time. He said, that's neat. Then you manage the store. Mm-hmm. Then you run Walmart. I mean, I don't know what it is, whatever it is. You ascend by giving. And that's just the law. In every scripture taught by every prophet, over and over again, the same lesson. And so I'm saying this lesson not because I know it uh, so um, and that I'm so clear about it. It's that I have faith in it, enough faith to share it. And I do it as much as I'm capable. And the more capable I get, the better off I am. And the more I give, the more I get. You, you when we were talking earlier about uh, how well-preserved you are at 59, preserved. you said if you, if you looked at pictures of me 35 years ago, I looked like I was almost about to die. Yeah, yeah. So what, what was going on in your life? Well, I didn't have the same lifestyle. I mean, I didn't practice yoga twice a day or meditate twice a day. I didn't you know, drink a bunch of green juice, you know, eat it. I ate animal product. I did a lot of stuff that was, you know, hurtful to me, including I did drugs. It was a time and era where people did drugs. Yeah, one of the uh, drugs drank. you mentioned was angel dust. Angel dust. Yeah. Smoked a lot of that shit. It was not very good. <laughs> but, you know, you have to learn to love yourself enough to take care of yourself, and you do sometimes, if you're lucky, get a chance to, to change your life. What about the people you were running with back then? Are they still around? Oh, some are dead, some are in jail, and some survived. Mostly dead and in jail. So I'm very lucky. Yeah. And it it may all have started with wanting to be around good-looking women, and that got you into yoga class. I did go to class because... Did I tell you that already? Yeah. Yeah, yes. a lot of hot so girls. That, that could At have the been time, there were no guys. You. Could have been what saved you in some way. Yeah, I guess. So... Well, Quickly before we before I let you go, you, you, one of the other things you talk about in, in success through stillness is the value of failure. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, I, I define it as failure only for the people who are reading the book. Experiences you learn through struggle. You never evolve through ease, and so what you learn in any experience helps you to provide uh, context and 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 direction to what you want to do. In other words, if you want to build something and you don't get it right the first time, you learn a lot about how to get it right in that experience. And so you, or you learn what, you know, doesn't work at the very least. So you learn from experiences like that, or tough experiences. Failures uh, are funny because you can't fail until you quit. So if you're still doing it, you didn't fail. You just learned something. Mm. That's good for me to hear because I got a lot of things that I worry about failing at all the time. And bu- bu- <laughs> there was, I forgot, one thing I did want to ask you about. It was pointed out to me by one of my producers that another of your books, Do You, 12 Laws to Access the Power in You to Achieve Happiness and Success, actually has- A long has, title, right? It, well, I'm, I got nothing wrong with- I, I, I've got no beefs with long subtitles. Uh, I, I included one in my own book. Um, <laughs> but you had a foreword by Donald Trump. He forwarded two books of mine. So- He wrote your, for my- um, Life story, which I wrote 20 years ago. 
And then he forwarded for this book to you, which I wrote, I don't know how many years ago, probably 10. What's your relationship with him now? What do you think of how he's doing as president? <laughs> well, you know, I've written about this extensively. Um, I liked him as a friend. I don't like him as a president. I don't like the choice he's made. I don't like the people he's chosen to put in different positions. I don't like the agenda uh, to empower the rich and and cut off access to services to the poor. I don't like the warmongering. I don't like the treatment of the environment. Hiring a person who doesn't believe in protecting the environment in a critical time could be on his watch that we a scientist discovers that there's no way around us all dying, that this planet could die, and it could be a scientist could tell us that during his his tenure, while he's continuing to destroy the planet or allowing people new access to to um, uh, harmful activities that they were denied in the recent past, to go backwards on the environment, horrible. Are you guys still His belief touch? system, uh, law and order, putting more people in jail when yeah. we have already the worst criminal justice system. A lot of what he's saying is, is so hurtful. It's unbelievable that Americans support it. Are you still in touch with him? or I haven't spoken to him in a while. I spoke to um, uh, his head of um, HUD recently about stuff that we could do in the projects to help people. Um, and it was through his office, but I had not spoken to him personally since he ran. And I said I'd rather Kim Kardashian be president. He didn't like that. Didn't like it much. But so, so we so, were friends for a very long. Yeah, time. Yeah. So the guy that you were friends with, do you rec- is he is is the is he different now? Uh, I get along with pretty much everybody. I wrote something about O'Reilly that wasn't you know that wasn't so heavy. Everybody was writing such mean stuff. A lot of progressives. I I remember him and his daughter. His daughter was a progressive, and he was open-minded to let her talk about things that I know he didn't believe with me. And we sat there, and, and he, he's a nice enough guy for the most part. So I, I felt bad for his daughter, I wrote. Somebody said, to hell with him and everybody. You know, I mean, people were very angry. I get along with Roger Ailes. I got along with um, Rupert Murdoch. Don't know him as well. I knew Roger. Or, you know, or, but, you know, I, I get along with everybody. I forget the question. I mean, what was the question? Just curious to see what you know if you if the guy you were friends with. Oh, the with Trump. Is, yeah, no. Yeah, here's my point. Yes, Donald was fine. He's a good friend. He's very nice. He's very supportive of me in many ways, and very nice to my family. He would fly Reverend Run down to Mar-a-Lago every weekend. I went with him. I don't know how many weekends, but he would fly Reverend Run every weekend, and his family to Mar-a-Lago on his plane. And he's just very nice, but his belief system. Is not one that I, for, for the most part, almost anything he says, I don't agree with. Before we close, just run down, because people are, after having listened to this are going to want to know where to find more about you. What, what, uh, where should, would you send people to learn more about you, check out the things you're, you're up to? Well, I want people to go to my new yoga studio. I know it's only in L.A. right now, Tantris. It's a school of yogic science. And what I want is for yoga to change just enough, the asana practice, should include some yoga. People should learn this compassionate practice so that it can be more than just a physical practice. And that's what we teach at the Tantra School uh, in L.A. But I also want them, I don't know, learn to meditate. You can go. We have an app, Meditation Made Simple. You can get it. It's free. And I just want people to be more compassionate, more loving. I want them to be vegans. So I, I say that The Happy Vegan is a simple book, but it's, you know, I give away the money from these books, so it's not for my charity, for my money, but... It's just people should be vegan. They should not 
an individual should not take up 500 times more place or at least 400 to 500 times more space on this planet than I do. They shouldn't. So they can cause themselves sickness and destroy the planet and, and, um, it's, it's, and so people can starve because it takes up all the natural resources and, uh, and it's destroying the planet. You know, not only what's usable, but the ozone layer and, and global warming is also a direct result of the animal product we eat. So we should stop. We should, you know, think about what that means. We don't want to die. At 60, I don't want to get cancer. A lot of my friends have cancer. The ones that didn't die, many of them are getting cancer. It's from their diet. Russell Simmons, thank you very much. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Okay, there's another edition of the 10% Happier Podcast. If you liked it, please make sure to uh, subscribe, rate us. And uh, if you want to suggest topics we should cover or guests uh, we should bring in, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan B. Harris. I also want to thank heartily the people who produce this podcast and really do pretty much all the work. Lauren Efron, Josh Cohan, Sarah Amos, Andrew Kalb, Steve Jones, and the head of ABC News Digital, Dan Silver. Uh, I'll talk to you next Wednesday. If you like 10% Happier, and I hope you do, uh, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Once upon a beat, remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.